We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a pass, Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie to rookie action outside the blue door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back, gets up the shot, bakes it in. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the official podcast of SI Thunder, coming to you live Sunday, April 24th. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. Got my co-host, Nick Crane, with me. Wow. First one to be announced. That's that's literally a first. (laughs) We've got J.D. Silva here producing for us. Fellas. And... We have special guest on tonight. Keandre is joining us. You guys know him. He's the NBA draft guru, creating prospect scouting report videos, big boards, and mock drafts on his YouTube channel, Hoop Intellect. Also tweeting his thoughts on the NBA playoffs right now. You can also find him on Twitter, at Hoop Intellect. Keandre, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Uh, Appreciate y'all having me on. Man, we are so thankful that you are here. You're officially our NBA draft coverage kickoff. Couldn't have a better guy for it. Before we get started, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to break down the Thunders rookies who just finished up their first season. We're going to look forward to the 2022 draft. But before we dive in, gentlemen, both Nick and Keandre, I would be remiss if I did not ask you, do you think you would have been as quick as the security guard in Minnesota last night? No chance. I don't know how that happened. My man needs to get like a full ride scholarship to the University of Minnesota or something because that form tackle that's that's linebacker technique that was impressive. Yeah, you know he had to he had to have a lot um, going on in his head. He knew what was going on. He knew something was up. He he, he was side eyeing her during those free throws. <laughs> yeah, he read the play. He went he went ahead and got in there um, before anything could happen. I love it. Real quick before we dive into uh, to, to the draft coverage, uh, serious NBA draft question, or not NBA draft, I'm sorry, NBA playoff question. Uh, Keandre, which playoff series do you think has been the most entertaining or the most surprising so far? 
the most entertaining. I I kind of like the drama that goes on in the Timberwolves Memphis Grizzlies um series. You know, you got everybody Pat Bev, you know the Grizzlies love to talk. Um there's been a lot going on. The only thing I don't like about that series specifically is all the foul calls. Like it's really drained some of these um some of these games, but that would be the one that comes comes to mind off the top of my head. And obviously it's tied up 2-2 as well. Yeah, it's that one's been a blast so far. And so I just feel like that one is Nick, I don't know if you agree with this. It's I think it's the two youngest teams in the playoffs and seeing these rising stars, uh the John Morants, the Desmond Baines. Uh, the Ant Edwards, all these guys going at each other, and then cap it all off with Cat and Jaws' dads uh, at all the games courtside, uh, just constantly chirping at each other. It's been very entertaining. Yeah, I, I like the the Utah Dallas situation just because I think there's some there's a real chance that if Utah loses something something gets shaken up this summer, which is always fun to think about as you see these series unfold, like the result of these next three games could legitimately impact the future of the franchise in Utah. It's very fascinating. All right, gentlemen, let's dive into some draft stuff. Keandre, what, my my favorite thing to do, uh, our, our listeners know that I teach for a living. Uh, summer break is coming up for me. And from the start of summer break to the draft, uh, I am glued to your YouTube channel, watching all the scouting breakdown videos, uh, analyzing. It, it's funny because I watched the first half of those videos and I'm like, oh my God. This kid's going to be all NBA. They're going to be in, insane. And then I watched the back half where you cover the weaknesses, and I'm like, holy shit, this kid can't even play in the NBA. Like, I don't even know if he can play in the YMCA down my street. And I just, I go on these emotional roller coasters. But recently, I went back and I rewatched last year's scouting videos. Uh, you, I don't know how many, do you know a total number you did for 2021 as far as individual prospects? I think we did 32, 33. 34, somewhere in that kind of range. Wow. I, and I can't even imagine how much work goes into each one of those. So you, you're putting in the time for sure. I went back and rewatched Josh's, Josh Giddy's, and Trey Mann's um, just to kind of get a feel because I wanted to remember what people were thinking about these players that the Thunder drafted before the draft. So OKC picked up four players in last year's draft, Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at pick. I think that was 33. And then uh, Aaron Wiggins at the very back end of the draft. I want to know, Keandre, and, and you choose which of those four we start with. Uh, but we want to pick your brain as far as what did you think about those guys pre-draft last year, about 10 months ago? And then where are you at on them now after watching them play a full NBA season? So uh, of those four guys, Keandre, which guy do you want to start with first? Yeah, so I think we should probably start with um, the sixth pick, you know, Josh Giddy. Um, there was obviously a lot of controversy around him and even with my own videos because of how people kind of shared and kind of skewed things. But I think from, you know, and for people who actually didn't get to get a chance to watch him before he got drafted. So, um, he's kind of just this shaggy haired Australian kid. Nobody really knows anything about. So, um, the mind goes wherever it wants, but coming into the league, you know, he's immediately one of the, you know, um, best young passers that we've seen in the league. I think that, you know, two to three times a game, he's going to do something that makes you get up out your chair, get up off the couch um, with some of the passes that he can pull off. You know, there's those one hand whip passes to the corners, you know, things of that nature. And that was all stuff that we could see, you know, um, in pre-draft, you know, coming in what he did in the NBA, NBL last year. 
Um, and then, you know, some of the things that kind of impressed me were obviously there's some things that he's going to have to work on in terms of shooting, um, you know, some of the in-between game stuff. But he really worked on the floater. That was something that he went to quite a bit this season. Um, you know, his his ability to he's like a he's a really unorthodox player. So it catches a lot of people off guard. Um, his ability to kind of finagle his way into the paint, you know, being six, eight is is something that um, a lot of guards who might have the same strengths and weaknesses just aren't able to do. Um, he kind of figured that out um, along, uh, you know, during the season. And then, you know, obviously he won four Rookie of the Month awards in the Western Conference, um, youngest player to, to, to put up a triple-double, um, and he did that multiple times. You know, he had a really good season. I think he would have been a shoe-in for the first team had he not missed that last segment of the season. Now, you know, you've got the Herb Jones. It kind of gets – Jalen Green had his run. It kind of gets, you know, thrown in the air. But all in all, I thought he had a really nice season, and he's somebody that, you know, you, you feel confident about building around. There's some some things that they'll have to work through with, you know, being on and off the ball between SGA and him and, you know, kind of figure that, figuring that thing out. But in general, I think Thunder fans should all be happy with what he did this year. Before we move into the other guys, I got a question. Um so do you remember coming into draft night last year, um, who was one through five on your big board? And now that you've seen these guys play for a year, if we were going to just talk like the top five players in this class, when this is all said and done, how has that changed? Yeah. So number one, I had Cade. Um, obviously that was a kind of consensus guy. Uh, number two, we had Evan Mobley. Um, he did what he did. A great rookie season even was probably a little better earlier on than I thought he'd be. Number three, uh, Jalen Green. And then number four, we had Jalen Suggs. Um, and then five, I had Moses Moody. Six was Scotty Barnes. So that's kind of how I how I gave it up last year. But in terms of thinking of, like, the top five rookies, obviously Scotty Barnes is going to be in there, um, or at least it looks like it. And then, you know, from there, Jalen Suggs, he didn't have the greatest, you know, shooting season. He's got some things to work on. Um, but I still was intrigued by his defensive ability. He's a really good athlete. You know, he he made strides down the course of the season, had some injuries. So we'll have to see what he comes back with next year. But um, in terms of the top three, you know, that could be, you know, Cade, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, that could be end up being the, the best three. Um, and then, Scotty, like we said, and Moses Moody was a favorite of mine. We'll see what he ends up doing in this warrior system or where they end up moving if they trade for a piece or whatever goes on there. But that's kind of kind of how it was. Keandre, when you're talking about Josh earlier, you mentioned his kind of unorthodox game, um, especially whenever he gets into the lane, getting to the basket. You could describe Shea Gilgis Alexander's game almost the exact same way off-footed finishes, um, just kind of this herky-jerky kind of slithery type of game. Um, Do you think two guys that that kind of play that similar style as far as getting downhill, getting to the basket, uh, not in your traditional, I'm faster, stronger, bigger than you, but, but almost this skill level that just throws players off. Do you think those two play styles being similar, uh, are better suited to play with each other or is, does it make it more of a challenge? Well, I would say, you know, there are enough different in terms of like potential roles. I think that you hit on, you know, they're, they're kind of 
uniqueness in the way that they play the game. But obviously, Shea's a much better shooter. He, you know, creates shots from the perimeter better. Um, he just has more in his bag at this point. And obviously, being, you know, shorter, it kind of helps him on that, too. Um, Josh just kind of has some things that that are more difficult at 6'8", at a legit 6'8", than, than him. But, you know, it is it is a, a thing that defenses, I'm sure, have a lot of trouble with. Shea, nobody in the league can stay in front of Shea at this point. Um, even though Thunder had the season that they had or whatever, and he kind of started off slow, you know, towards the end, it was it was clear he's still that guy. That's a guy that's going to be a future perennial all-star and things of that nature. But, yeah, you know, when you look at, you know, the potential versions of them, that's going to be something that defenses are going to have to um, really hone in on and try to pick up some of their tendencies that might be a little different than what you would normally see, at least. Nick, if you don't have any more questions on Josh, I just have one more. Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most with him, Keandre, once we got we got into the season, uh, I, I think I can kind of lump all three of these things into one. Just his toughness, I call it the give give an F mentality, right? Like he he just he really gives a shit about playing basketball. Um, the rebounding and the defense. Like I I I I had an idea that he would be this insane passer, uh, maybe be able to have some nice finishes and whatnot. But the toughness, the rebounding, he led the thunder in rebounding this year. And and the defense uh was really surprising to me. Was that something that you saw? out of him pre-draft or was that something that caught you off guard? And do you think there's a higher ceiling for him uh, because of what he showed on that end in the NBA? Yeah, the toughness and in, in everything that was there. I did. I was a little bit surprised by how he, you know, stuck defensively at times, you know, there he's kind of caught in the middle of two positions a lot of times in the way that their lineup worked, you know, some nights he might be matched up with a quicker guard and that's obviously going to give him a little bit more trouble. All rookie guards besides like, Davion Mitchell are going to struggle a little bit defensively. I think that's just, you kind of got to build that in. Um, but yeah, in terms of the rebounding, I remember there was a quote at some point earlier on in the season, he said that he wanted to work on his rebounding. Um, but I thought that was a strength of his from the, from the jump. Um, you get 10 rebounds in his sleep contested, you know, push the break, um, especially with a team like the Thunder that ran six nine dudes out there at center the entire season um, as a very valuable asset. Um, but in terms of his overall ceiling, I think that's going to be dictated more by what he can do in terms of individual creation, being able to more consistently put pressure on a defense um, and, you know, just kind of find his spots and find the places on the court, obviously shoot it, shoot it better as well. Um over the course of his career. So that's kind of where I see his, his ceiling being dictated, but um, those other things are very valuable and it'll be a big reason why he's going to stick around and make an impact um, regardless. Awesome. All right. So Josh Giddy down, we have three other rookies to go. Keonji, who do you want to talk about next? Yeah. So Trey Mann, of course, um, that was one of my favorites last year. I always say it. He is, to this day, my favorite scouting report, scouting report that I've ever done. I think we're well over 100 at this point. Um, just his ability to create space, that was evident from the jump. You look at him at Florida, he made that big jump from his freshman year to sophomore year. Completely different player, one of the best guards in the country. Super entertaining watch. But as he got drafted, you even look at Summer League, right? He was creating all that space. He was getting to the basket. He's just not finishing. He goes out. 
um, you kind of left wondering, like, what is what is he going to end up being? And then he gets into the NBA season, um, has his ups and downs, goes to the G League. They did some interesting things with how they wanted to develop him. Um, but over the course of the season, you know, he had the Boston game. He had um, that game against Dallas. Just somebody who I think coming in, in pre-draft, I thought he was one of the best shot creators in the class. It was between really like him, Jalen Green, and then I'd say James Booknight. Um, in the third, and then Kate Cunningham was in there as well. Um, but those were kind of the top guys, in my opinion. And he really showed that throughout the season. Um, and he's somebody that I, you know, I think figures into their their long term um, rebuilding plans a little more than maybe people would um, expect on paper. Um, he's not, obviously not like untouchable, but I think he's someone that you really want to see in year two, especially with the improvements. He made as a finisher, you know, he was dunking on people randomly at the beginning of the season. That's not what he was doing in college. Um, so just kind of putting all that kind of stuff together. He's somebody who's one of my favorites and somebody Thunder fans should be super excited about to me. In a in a vacuum, I know fit and situations, everything. But in a vacuum today, if you were drafting like a redraft of last year, you could go back in time. Are you taking Trey Mann or James Booknight first? Um, if knowing what I know today, or yeah, exactly, um, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously James Booknight didn't get the chance to play. That's you know kind of a thing. So I I would go with Trey Man. I thought they were fairly close last year. I had Booknight uh, top ten, I believe. I think Trey Man was fourteen. They kind of went back and forth um, throughout the the end of the year, but. Yeah, I'd have to go with Trey Mann at this point. Um, Book Knight still has a lot of a lot of things that that you like, um, and hopefully he gets his opportunity next year. He had he had some good moments in the G League still too. I know Thunder fans really liked him um, pre-draft, and then things kind of went a different direction. But yeah, that's that's where I go. That's why I ask. I think a lot of folks were expecting to hear Book Knight's name at six on draft night, yeah, um, or even hope that he falls to sixteen. And you know that was that was a guy that. We were already talking about making Shea and Knight t-shirts. Like we had all yeah. these ideas, and then you get a guy like Trey Mann, and you start to watch him play, and you think this maybe this is the like the same role Book Knight would have played is the role that Trey Mann's playing. Yep. Yeah. And they got him sure. at sixteen instead of six. So, um, few things I want to talk about with Trey Keandre. Um, first off, the Thunder were very adamant about Trey being locked in defensively all year uh, and being tough defensively. There are multiple times where coach Dagnall would pull Trey off the court. Um, if there was a time where he thought that he lacked toughness or he wasn't engaged defensively, is that a place where you think uh, we saw growth from him from what you saw uh, in the tape from college to now after his first rookie season um, and, and how much of, I, I guess it's kind of the same question that I asked you about Josh, how much of that, defensive toughness uh, is really going to play into what Trey can ultimately be in this league. Yeah. I think that that definitely has a little bit more to do with like his overall ceiling because coming in, that was something that was going to be, you know, an obvious roadblock in, in him becoming as good of a player that he wanted to, to become. He looks a lot better physically than he even did a year ago. Um, I, I wouldn't be just based on his history. I wouldn't be surprised if we see another kind of jump next year, even, 
Um, but yeah, you know, I thought that was a good learning learning uh, lesson for him, just being able to to really be locked in every possession, just knowing that you're going to come out the game. Um, but yeah, you know, that's obviously something that that he's going to have to keep as a significant part of his his development in an overall game. The other thing I wanted to ask, you broke it down in some of your videos. You've even tweeted about it uh, in Trey's rookie year. It nearly tears my ACL just watching him do it. But these step backs that Trey has in his bag where his knee damn near touches the ground, his shin is like parallel with the ground. Like, can you tell us what other players do you see that, that have that ability? And then also kind of tied into that, um, I know nobody likes to make like comps because they can get taken out of context, but what Trey's type of game, what type of player in the league currently do you see his role developing into? You know, we've heard a lot of, is it Anthony Simons? Is it Jordan Poole? Is it Darius Garland? Uh, so who do you see that kind of plays like him, especially with those like crazy, just everything he has in his bag, especially that, uh, that step back where, Again, just watching it freaking hurts my knees and my ankles. But um, who who else has that in their bag? And then what do you see um, his role in the league like as as far as a comparison to another player? Yeah, so I see I see Nick put it in the chat. Kimball Walker at his best. Um, obviously, he's at a different stage in his career, but he is one of the most ridiculous um, and shiftiest players that I've ever seen. I think the league has ever seen. Um, his ability to get low, just like we described with Trey Mann. I think he's just a little bit better than Trey at it. I think he's just a little more flexible in the hips and everything. But obviously, with the space that Trey creates, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of shin angles, he's he's ridiculous. We talked about it in the scouting report. Um, and then the next question was comparison. So I don't. That's kind of something that's gonna be dependent on the situation like you're you're talking about um obviously like does Jordan Poole become Jordan Poole if he's not with the Warriors or yeah, for sure um doesn't have that kind of development patience get to watch Steph and Clay and everything um but in in terms of like game I think I compared him to Darius Garland um in the scouting report I think obviously is before he kind of made that jump because because now obviously all-star that's it's a little bit loftier, but yeah, we're talking pretty 2021 Darius Garland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, just thinking about what he can do as a shot creator, obviously he's going to be able to score points in the league. I think it's just everything else. How good of a defender does he become? How uh, good of a passer can he develop into? Those are just some other things. I think that he's going to be able to get you 16 to 20 points. Um at his best, you know, just regardless. Uh, I think that's the type of talent that he is. Um, but ceiling beyond that, we just kind of got to wait and see, especially after year two. For sure. Um, one interesting thing, you you guys both mentioned Kemba as the guy that has uh, that same style, especially with the shin angles and, and whatnot. And Keandre, you said Kemba might be, just be a hair better at it, but then Trey's got like five inches on Kemba as well, you know, and I think that there's a balance there, 
you know, I, I think I, I think I take the five the five extra <laughs> inches of height in that scenario. So yeah. um, Thunder also selected two guys in the second round. We can move a little bit quicker on these guys, um, but let's just keep moving down the draft order. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Keandre, uh, thoughts on him pre-draft uh, and then kind of where you're at on him now. Yeah, so Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he was somebody who was a top 40 candidate um, for me, somebody who was going to immediately come in and make an impact, um, played a lot of minutes at center, which I didn't really see coming, but that was just how the Thunder gave it up this year. They said, we're going to go with Derek Favors and, and rookie Jeremiah Robinson Earl at center and you know whoever else throughout the season we happened to pick up. So that was just kind of a, th- a thing of it. But, um, you know, rock solid role player, somebody who can – come in and contribute defensively. Um, the thing I really liked to see out of him was he was shooting a three. He shot about 35% from three, and that was something that we wanted to see him stretch his game out, be able to more easily um, contribute to an NBA offense, and he did that. So, um, yeah, that was – he had a really nice season before he had those injuries, you know. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with the rest of this group, kind of being that glue guy. Somebody who I could see being in OKC for a long time um, as a as a high level contributor. You mentioned the three point shooting, three point four attempts a game for him this season. Does that number surprise you based off pre draft stuff? And do you expect that to like stay roughly even throughout his career? Or do you think he's going to start spacing and, and shooting even more? Um. Well, that'll probably be you know, dictated off of his minutes because how many can you really get up in a certain amount of time? But I wouldn't know. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say I was surprised. I felt like that was something that was going to be a point of emphasis of his, but it was just good to see like, okay, he's finally, he's, he's making that concerted effort to, to get out there. Um, but at his best, I think you can some, somewhere between the, the three to five range, depending on, you know, how many minutes he gets, he's probably going to be one of the first guys off the bench, I would guess, is his kind of career um, role placement. But that's that's where I would see it. Gotcha. And then let's move on to the last guy real quick. Aaron Wiggins, taken 55th overall, uh, initially signs a two-way, gets it converted to a a three-year deal, the Lou Dort special with a whole bunch of non-guarantees in there. Um, did you even – I mean, he goes 55th, and you said you did like 33, 34 – scouting videos is he somebody you guys even dove into during the scouting process last year and and obviously you you looked at him but is he a guy you got really deep into and what are your thoughts on him yeah um we didn't really have the time to go super in-depth obviously um i think I, i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm pretty i'm pretty confident he was in one of those last big boards towards the end um might have been he might have actually been 60 I know that he had this this great run in the combine um and and kind of you know used that momentum to to end up getting drafted 55th and in, in coming into this thunder uh program so um but yeah you know he was a, he was a good contributor at, at Maryland um obviously guy who had potential to come in and contribute on the wing his ability to defend um shoot it a little bit he shot I think 30% this year which isn't great but you know, just being able to do a couple of different things on the court, um, kind of fill gaps as well, kind of like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, he has some really big time games and and defensively, you know, really shined at times throughout the season, guarding <clears throat> guarding some players that you wouldn't necessarily expect 
you know, those late second round picks to guard. Um, and I think he's listed at six four, but he plays a lot bigger. You would probably guess he's about six seven. That's just how he plays. But yeah, I really liked what he did. And he's another guy who can easily just fit into what the Thunder are doing. Um, you don't have to to get him shots. You don't have to get him high minutes. He's going to come in and contribute in his his limited minutes and, and figure it out. He seems very moldable to me. He can, he can fit into yeah. really whatever role you need him to play. And I think part of that is he's an older rookie as well. And so kind of a little more physically mature than some of these other guys as well. Um, let's take a quick break here from our sponsors. And then on the other side, we'll get Keandre's thoughts on the 2022 draft class. What's up thunder fans. This is Jacob from the uncontested podcast. And I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the uncontested podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right. Time to move on to the 2020 class, Keonje. We got we got a handful of just generic questions about the class, and then we'll get into some Thunder-specific stuff as well. Uh, first thing, though, what are just your overall thoughts on this class? Obviously, everyone thinks 2021 is what was, and then now seeing these guys is a really special class. Um, not really comparing this class to the last year, but just where are you at overall with this class? Yeah, so... Obviously, you know, just because of time, they ended up being the class that comes after 2021. That's obviously not not the greatest thing. When you talk about comparisons, people all automatically start thinking, you know, who's Cade Cunningham? Who's Evan Mobley? Where, where's our Scotty Barnes in this draft? You know, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but in general, I, I, I kind of like it. I like the amount of uh, guys who could play the four spot. I think that's kind of interesting and unique with this class. You don't really see that every year. I think there's a ton of them um, throughout the lottery and then throughout the rest of the draft as well. So that'll be something to watch going forward. But yeah, in general, I, I like it. Um, everybody always wants to be like, you know, is this that this class or is it this class? Um, is it going to be 2017 or whatever? That's kind of just something you kind of have to wait and see. You make your project projections, but um, you won't officially know until everybody gets in the league. Have you have you started to build? tiers i know last year it's maybe like a two-part question there was the top five and then there was like a drop off although late scotty barnes kind of rose above i think on lottery night when oklahoma city got six it was a consensus all right scotty barnes you know probably could be member of the thunder he ends up going four um so i guess two part like i said what are the tiers in your eyes at this point for the actual lottery and then where is that line where it's you know these guys have superstar potential these guys you're probably reaching a little bit further yeah, so at the top of the draft, you've kind of got those top four that people have been talking about all year long. So it's uh, Paulo, you've got Chet, Jabari Smith Jr., Jaden Ivey. Those are kind of the main four. Right now, I'm kind of in the middle of of adding a, a fifth one kind of to that group, and that's Shaden Sharp. Um, there's a lot of unknowns with Shaden Sharp, so that might be a reason that you kind of, you know, take a step back. But Talent-wise, he has the obvious potential to be in that group. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at at the top tier. And then um, there, are, there are plenty of others. You've got A.J. Griffin, um, who I'm a big fan of. I know a lot of people have soured on for different reasons. But if you watch him, you know, pre, pre-college and just what I think he, he can do projection-wise, I really like him. And you've got Jalen Duran, um, Ben Matherin, Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, you know, guys like that who – Go into the the mid the middle of the lottery and back end of it to that make uh that round out um what's really a, a solid class. 
So you you mentioned the elephant in the room there, Shaden Sharp, right? He he obviously has made the announcement he's going to go back to Kentucky, uh, which I thought we all kind of expected. When you have top six, top seven money staring you at the face, uh, you take the money and you run. We all want to act like, oh, Shaden Sharp, like me, for instance. I, I'm not a, like really deep into watching this prospect. Oh, Shaden Sharp could go fight. I don't know shit about Shaden Sharp, right? I think a lot of people don't. Uh, what can you tell us about Shaden, considering that none of us have watched him play college basketball before? Yeah, so Shaden Sharp, um, out of Canada, he's about – He's listed at 6'4", but he looks way bigger. I've seen him in interviews tell, say that he's 6'4 himself, but he looks about 6'6", to be honest. Um, really talented scorer, somebody who can really get buckets and create space on the perimeter. Um, defensively, he's been solid for, for a lot of moments. Um, really good athlete, especially in space. Um, that really pops. Uh, and, you know, just in general, kind of, you look at the modern NBA, these these two guards, you know, you've got your Zach Levine's kind of similar in that what Jalen Green is, Anthony Edwards. Um, just looking back at these last couple drafts, he kind of fits in somewhere in that mold um, as a player. And I think as we get closer to the draft, hopefully we'll be able to see him in some some different kind of kind of situations, maybe a, a workout. Um that's not completely highlight based, but other than that, like you just all you have to look off of is what he did in the the EYBL and, and some other things with Dream City Christian when he was um in high school. So those are that's all that we have to to go off of. And as you guys know, we've seen plenty of high level, highly touted prospects take big falls. Even this year, you got Patrick Baldwin Jr. Last year, you have BJ Boston. Um, even on the flip side of that, you've got a guy like Zaire Williams who didn't have a great season at Stanford, but still ends up going 10th. So it's kind of a, a, a interesting thing to talk about. And you look back at the history of all the number one prospects in the high school class, they all, most of the, the majority of them end up going in the lottery, even after their college seasons. Um, so, you know, just kind of, kind of a lot of things to, to juggle with him. So I, I realize this is comparing apples to oranges because the four guys I'm going to ask you about, one of the guys in Chaden Sharp, we pretty much have high school tape, nothing else. Um, some of the other guys I'm going to ask you about as, as we compare these, we have a bunch of NBA tape. But looking at, at this upcoming class and last year's class, there, there was really two consensus guards that were like the top two guards. You had Jalen Green, uh, Jalen Suggs last year. You've got Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp in this class. So Again, in a vacuum, I like to ask these questions in a vacuum. When you look at those four guys, um, just who they were coming into the draft, where do you kind of rank those guys in terms of prospects overall? Yeah, so I think Jalen Green would be number one. Um, that's how I felt last year. I felt like there was a little bit of a sip, uh, separation between him and Jalen uh, Suggs, and also there was a little bit of separation between him and Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley for me, but I still kind of put him in that top tier with them. Um, and then we would go with pre-draft. I would probably say I don't. It's really close between Jalen Suggs and Jaden Ivy. Um, if they were in the same class, I don't. I'm not 100% sure where I would go. Um, but it is close. And then Shaden Sharp would probably be last for me, just because we 
there is so much unknowns. And from this kind of area that we sit, we don't get to bring him in for workouts or, you know, put him through drills and ask him about his own workout, work ethic and things of that nature. So he would have to be last, but he does have a lot of talent. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Cade. I hadn't forgot about him. I just I, he's the obvious number one. Like, there's yeah. no need to even throw his name in that in that group. No, I agree. Um, I do think there's a lot more similarities between Jalen Green and Shaden Sharp than people are talking about. I think they've got very similar games based on the tape that we have. Like looking at Jalen Green in high school, you know, the top guy in his class. Same thing with Shaden. I think that, and in a similar role, if you were to go to Oklahoma City, he could look a lot like Jalen Green did this year in, in Houston. Yeah, I think the the difference between those two is Jalen Green is a little bit quicker of an athlete. He's able to create a little bit more separation and get downhill easier. I think that's something that Shaden will have to work on and be more um, diligent about heading into the next level. But you're right there in terms of like shot creators, um, you know, where they play on the perimeter, being able to to kind of flow in and out on and off the ball. That's something that you could see um, happening with Shaden as well. Awesome. Let's transition over to a little more Thunder centric 2022 stuff. Currently, we're we're still awaiting the draft lottery, obviously, uh, May 17th. But the Thunder currently have the fourth best odds and the 12th best odds, uh, courtesy of the Los Angeles Clippers. Keonje, let's imagine that the lottery just stays static and everyone where they're at is where they're going to be at right now, according to record. So the Thunder end up with pick four and pick 12. For the Thunder specifically, who do you like at 4-12 and 12 for them? Yeah, so it, they get put in a pretty interesting spot, um, depending on where they go with the top three, because, you know, there's you ask anybody, they'll give you a different order of those top four kind of guys mm-hmm. that we've kind of come to a, agreement on. Um, but if it, that guy it happens to be Jaden Ivey at four, I would probably go in the shade and sharp direction just because I think that he's more of a seamless fit with what Shay and, and Josh Giddy do. Um, he doesn't need the ball as much. That's just kind of, that just kind of be my opinion on it. Um, and I think that him and Ivy are close enough as prospects to, to make that decision. Um, the other side of that. So at number 12, I see mm-hmm. Jalen Duran going there a lot of the time. Um, I'm actually way higher on him than than the number 12. So I think that would be kind of a steal at that point. But if you, that's one of the main targets for the Thunder in this draft, obviously to get more of something at the center spot, whether that's um, Jalen Duran, who is the best traditional center in the class, or that's somewhere later with 30 and 34. Um, You've got guys like Mark Williams, Ishmael Kamagate, Walker Kessler, um, Christian Coloco just kind of all spread out through that late teens to, to early thirties kind of position. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I would, where I would go, the direction I would go with them. But if something else, you know, happens in that, in that top four, I really like Jabari for the thunder. Um, if he's able to go fourth, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, um, if it did, that'd be my, my number one pick for, for this thunder team. And then, from there, you kind of go, you know, wherever at, at 12 and then figure the rest out. So four and 12 aside, um, who is the most like this is an OKC player in this draft? Like when you look up and down the list, you don't even have to be in the lottery. Is there a player that just fits what they're trying to do and fits the Sam Presti mold in your eyes? 
Um, I think there's a few. I would say Usman Zhang comes to mind on that. Um, obviously, you know, long, athletic. He can handle it. He can pass it. Um, he's really raw. Does he take a couple years to to really um, make a huge impact? But he he screams everything that that Presti has shown that he likes in a player recently. Um, I think Josh Minot out of out of Memphis could be a guy that that they target. Um, and another one that's kind of a sleeper, and that I think we'll hear more of over these next coming weeks. And if he ends up staying in the draft, is Leonard Miller, Leonard Miller out of Canada, um, 6'11", forward slash wing, you know, super raw lefty. Um, he had a really good showing at the Nike Hoop Summit all week, both in the game and in the practices. Um, he's someone definitely to watch. He still has Kentucky and Arizona um, on his college list. He still has college eligibility as well. Um, but he is somebody that I think that, depending on where his range draft range is, that he'll be one of their targets. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, take him way higher than people expect just because that's that's how Presty kind of goes so if you're from Canada you got a chance to be on this team <laughs> I was about to say you mentioned two of three guys and or three guys and two of the three are not American which is right up Sam yeah. Presty's alley apparently so Keonjay let's let's play with the dream scenario for a second okay the Thunder do have two lottery picks Last year, they had a chance to land two top five picks. Uh, obviously, did not happen. Uh, this year, both of their picks um, have a chance to jump. Let's imagine that the basketball gods smile upon Sam Presti, and on lottery night, they hear their name called at one and two. Okay, there's like a, I, I don't know, it's like a 0.7% chance that happens, but let's just imagine for a second. If the Thunder land at one and two in this draft and get to make the two first selections, who do you think they should go with? Like if Sam Presti called Keandre and was like, hey, dude, I don't know what I'm doing, but I love your draft videos. Who would you draft? Who do you think the Thunder should take at one and two back to back? This is this is a tough one um, because I really, I really, really like what Jabari could bring to the table um, for this team. But also, you know, you've got Chet there. You've got Paulo, who I have as my number one player. Um, there's some positional overlap there too yeah so I think that I would I think that I would go with I don't know I don't know because whoever I'm going to say I'm going to think about it later I'm going to be like oh I should have went with the other <laughs> other direction like that that justification doesn't make sense Um, but just kind of just kind of going off top I think I would go with Jabari Smith and Chad Holmgren Um okay. I think that they really fit with with what they have going on, um, and and yeah, that that's what I would go with. Without saying too much, that's gonna like put me in a hole. That's just what I would go with. <laughs> I think that fit would be incredibly fun. You run Shea, Lou, Josh, and then Smith Jr. and Holmgren as your front court. Uh, your front court might weigh two hundred pounds combined, but uh, that'd be a really really fun lineup. So, um. I know Nick's chomping at the bit here. So before we get out of here, Keandre, we want to do a quick exercise with you. Uh, I So for those of you watching on the stream, uh, you get the visual along with this as well. I am going to stream uh, to the screen here, Tankathon. Uh, Keandre, we like to do this on our show every now and then. I am going to sim a Tankathon 
uh, lottery. We're going to let it land. And just real quick, uh, Keandre gets first pick. Nick's, Nick gets second. I get third. And we'll just keep rotating. Uh, let's just burn through the lottery real quick and see who ends up with who. Keandre, are you cool with this? Yeah. Awesome. Let's let's hit the spin and see what we got. All right. Keandre, you are first up. The Portland Trailblazers got number one. Portland Trailblazers. Um, another interesting pick here. I think I'm going to go with the guy that I didn't go with earlier, and that's Paulo Bancaro. I really like what he could bring to the table playing alongside Damian Lillard. I think that'd be perfect for him being able to to make decisions off of Dame, um, kind of get some of that space to to create and think, do things of that nature. Um, obviously, the, you've got other good choices. Chet would be good here um, as well, just bringing that defense and rim protection and, and things like that. But I'm going with Paulo. Pacific Northwest gets to stay, uh, go back home. So, yeah. That makes sense. Nick, you got San Antonio at two. Yeah, I think that's a that's a no brainer Chet decision, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I just I mean what he does and what the San Antonio front office values like. That's it's a match made in heaven. I got Orlando at three. This is an interesting one for me because Orlando has a lot of young guys, but I think a lot of them are just kind of middling and they're trying to figure out what to do. Am I crazy to think that I that I like Jaden Ivy and Jalen Suggs together? I think that might be the pick here. I mean, they have so many young guards, but I just think they have so many middling young guards that they they need someone to set them apart. I'm going Jaden Ivey at three. Keon Jay, yeah. you got four, which is OKC. OKC at four, so I guess that leaves Jabari Smith, right? So they got there you the, go, the that one that you said earlier. <laughs> it all comes to fruition, man. Yeah. Nick, you got Houston at at five. Mm, that's tough. Um this is where I think maybe they don't take Shaden Sharp. I don't know. I, I like I said, there's overlap with Jalen. I think they'd be awesome together. But is that what Houston wants to do moving forward? I don't know. Um, maybe we go. I'm not high on this guy, but I think it's a position of need. Maybe you go Keegan Murray at five. Okay, very good. I've got Detroit at six. We're putting Shaden Sharp and Cade Cunningham together. I think that's. Uh, yeah. That is a beautiful fit. We'll uh, we'll figure out what the hell to do with um. Oh, I'm forgetting the kid's name now. Who did they take in the lottery two years ago? Killian French Hayes. point guard Killian Hayes. We'll figure out what to do with Killian Hayes later. Keandre, you have Indiana at seven. Indiana at seven. Um, Indiana at seven. I think that we will go with. I think we'll go with AJ Griffin. Um, I really like his upside. I think he's got some untapped creation potential. Um. You know, betting on him being being a better athlete, kind of getting back to that high school level. Um, so yeah, that's the that's a pick here. Nick, you have Sacramento at eight. Yeah, I'm with you, Kendra. I'm I'm a lot higher on Jalen Duran. I I keep seeing these him going 11, 12, 13. I I don't see it. I'm I'm having him go here eight. All right, a uh, Sabonis and Duran front court. I have the New Orleans Pelicans via the LA Lakers at nine. Oh, I'm struggling to even remember who we still have on the board here. Um, I'll go Johnny Davis here. Um, the the Pelicans they have CJ. Uh, let let's throw Johnny Davis there as well. He can learn behind CJ. They could even share the backcourt together. Uh, we'll go Johnny Davis at nine. 
which puts Keandre at the board on the board at 10 with Washington. 10 Washington. I think I'm going to go with, well, there's a couple of different directions we could go in. Um, I'm going to go with Tari Eason. Um, versatile forward can do a lot of things. Um, you know, put him, put him in Washington. You kind of just figure out the rest of the, the stuff fit and all that kind of later. Nick, you have the New York Knicks at 11. Perfect for you. This is going to be a statement that like contradicts itself. I think that the Knicks have a bunch of forwards that have either potential or they're already good, but I'm still going to have them go Jeremy Sohan here. I think they need a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, I think that's exactly what, what Jeremy is. Like, I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be elite or a star at any one thing, but I, I think that his weaknesses are very, very limited and New York needs a guy that can contribute now. They're going to try to make the playoffs next season and, and make this, you know, not a, a two, three, four year playoff drought, just a, a quick one year. I have the OKC pick at 12. I might n- make Nick mad here because I'm not going to take Ben Matherin. I like Dyson Daniels. Yeah, <laughs> we, it was inevitable. We were going to let someone slip. Um, I like Dyson Daniels at 12. I just, we talked about guys that we think Sam Presti will like in this draft. Uh, Dyson Daniels just screams that to me. So I'm going Dyson at 12. Keandre, you have the Charlotte Hornets at 13. 13. Charlotte Hornets at 13. Um, man. So obviously they need to center. The guy that they would want is Jalen Duran. Um, you got Mark Williams on the board still? You do have Mark Williams. I'm not super high on him. And in the lottery, I know a lot of people have moved that direction. Um, but you know what? For the sake of this, we might as well just go ahead and take Mark Williams because it fits there. Um, and they don't play their rookies, so at least then he might have some some opportunities for for minutes. Well, maybe they they maybe they might without James Borrego. So there you go, Mark Williams. You go, Charlotte. Nick, you get the last pick in the lottery, fourteen. The Cleveland Cavs. Gosh, well. Um, I've been Matherin six or seven on my big board right now, and I'm not going to take him here, which is again, contradictory, but, um, for Cleveland, I'm going to, I'm going to have them taking a swing on a guy, although I don't think they need a guard. Um, I'm super high on Blake Wesley. I think he's a, he's a bucket. I think that Cleveland has a lot of guys that can score, but do they, do they keep Colin Sexton? Um, you know, they keep some of these other guys off the bench that that can score points. Karis Levert, for example. Um, I don't know. I like Blake Wesley a lot. He's kind of like the Bones Highland, Trey Mann type guy in this class to me. Just he'll, he'll score a bunch of points if he gets minutes in the NBA, and I think that he can do that in Cleveland. Nice. I think Ochai Baji is just the, the seamless fit at Cleveland for me. Um, that's an interesting one. Awesome. Well, we've kept Keandre for more than enough time. Uh, Keandre, before we get out of here, will you please plug where everyone can find your scouting videos, follow your thoughts, etc.? Yeah, so you can follow me on YouTube at Hoop Intellect. Um, just search it up and go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Um, I'm on Twitter at Hoop Intellect with three L's. Um, on Instagram, Hoop Intellect. I share some things on there from time to time as well. But yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Awesome. Did someone else have hoop intellect on Twitter? So you had to throw a third L in there. 
yeah i was completely unaware and then when i tried to make the name and said that was taken i was like Dang. oh you should have tried to buy it from him uh, he hasn't been <laughs> he hasn't been active for like five years so we had there the same go. thing when we started at the uncontested we had to throw an underscore and the guy that had the uncontested like hadn't tweeted since 2014 so. <laughs> yeah what can you do Awesome. Well, Keandre, thank you again for joining us, man. We really, really appreciate you. Everyone, make sure you go watch Keandre's videos because they are absolutely incredible. You will learn so much and be so much more knowledgeable around all your friends for the NBA draft. We'll be back with you guys again Wednesday night. Make sure you join us 8 p.m. Central Time here on YouTube. And we'll be hosting a Twitter space tomorrow, Monday, uh, probably the day you're listening to this podcast. So check us out there as well. Go follow Keandre on all socials and subscribe to his YouTube channel. We will talk to you guys soon. Until then, and as always, thunder up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.